0: IFM, FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Good afternoon, good afternoon. What can I say? My name is Nikki Severini. This is a DL link show where we connect you to insights, information, and illumination. Listen, I hope you can hear me well. I am um, doing the show, really, from my office. Um, this is the new world. This is the new way of being. We are adapting um, to the, the and responding to this pandemic, this global shift and global change. And and so we're doing it here on CHI FM as well. So I just want to actually start off by thanking everyone at CHI FM, all the engineers, everyone who's made it possible. And I really hope um, that the line is clear and that you can hear me um, well. We've got such a fantastic show lined up for you. I must just tell you that I, I was at the shops earlier today doing a little bit of shopping. So many people. And so much shopping, it's because there are a lot of you who are not working. So we're grappling with this, you know, staying at home with children having to do home schooling. Some of us businesses have just closed down because events and things have been closed. And, and so whatever it is you're going through, just if it's possible, switch off. Switch off the external world. Um, I'm going to be talking to Professor Bernardo Rappaport in a moment about incredible immuno-oncology. And then Nikki Robertson um, from Reinvent Health um, is going to be talking about nutrition and when you are ill and what you should be eating. And we're going to be focusing on cancer, but certainly focusing on uh, this world in which we live, with this this virus, you know, what What do we eat to boost our immune system? What should we be avoiding? So it's really going to be a fantastic show, um, and I'm looking so forward to spending this next hour with you. And every time you hit a panic and every time you think, oh, my goodness, this is so difficult, I'm finding this so hard, I just want to remind you that Charles Darwin said, it's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent It is the one that is most adaptable to change. I've got to tell you, I think we as human beings are incredibly adaptable. Think of one week ago where we were, where our minds were, where our lives were, and think of where we are today. And it takes time, but I think it's commendable. Really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by everybody's response. So we are going to break in a moment, but I would first like to introduce our first guest. He has been waiting on the line, Professor Bernardo Rappaport. Um, he is a specialist physician and medical oncologist, and he is the medical oncologist in charge at the Rosebank Medical Oncology Center. Professor, good afternoon. And
1: How are thank you? you so much for joining us. How are you? It's a pleasure being in discussing the stuff on immuno-oncology in your show, you know.
0: And, and you know, I mean, we, we're going to go into immuno-oncology and, and I suppose we've got to start off by saying with this, this coronavirus, with the scare, with, um, you know, wanting to keep people whose immune systems are compromised. I'm sure that you, with people who are going through different types of cancer treatments within the oncology center, you also have to be very careful with this coronavirus, Professor.
1: It's uh, We have taken measurements here at, the, um, at our uh, clinic, at our rooms, you know, definitely because... Patients with cancer, they already, when you have a diagnosis of cancer, you have a compromised or immunocompromised immune system. In other words, it's not reacting like it should. And when you're going for chemotherapy treatments, radiation, or any one of the other treatments, it might compromise the immune system further. So I think it's very important. Mm-hmm. We have a, a specific measurements here that we're restricting the number of people coming to the unit, number one. Number two, eh, on patients that are on follow-ups eh, that they have to come in like once every six months or once a year, we're rolling it forward so that we minimize the amount of people coming to the rooms. And also the family members that are eh, coming here, eh, they, they have to wait out, outside. They cannot come to the facility per se. And in addition to that, eh, we put strict rules for the staff, eh, myself, eh, the other oncologists here, and eh, also the patients on sanitation. You have to wash your hands at least a million times a day. I'm exaggerating, Mm -hmm. but it's true, as much as you can. And then uh, to sanitize when you come to the facility and uh, to be very, very careful uh, and to be careful with everything, you know, so that uh, you don't get exposed to the virus. In my opinion, all these treatments that are recommended haven't been proven. Uh, The best thing is the prevention of the coronavirus, uh, the treatments, uh, uh, I know the Israelis are uh, testing a vaccine that was uh, before tested for, a, for a avian or for a chicken a coronavirus that is very similar, but uh, the vaccine is not around yet and the tra- other drugs that work on HIV and works on other coronaviruses and that is no data at the moment that is of any value. So therefore, prevention of this disease is the most important measurement that anyone can do. We also heard the recommendations done by Mm. our president. Uh, I think it was on Sunday afternoon at the 7 o'clock. And uh, it was very, very clear that people should be very careful and should obey all the rules.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, you've just said it. You know, we hear prevention is better than cure at this stage. And we've got to be responsible. No, there's no cure. Prevention is what it's all about. So we've got to be responsible. We've got to be conscious of others and of ourselves. Um, and I think that's a great message. Professor, thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break, Professor. After the break, and uh, we're going to look at this immuno-oncology and talk about it and then and you can explain what it is. So please, please stay with us. We'll be right back. 5FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, welcome back to the DR Link show where we connect you to insights, information, and illumination. Of course, today's show is with a difference and that's what High Five is doing. Our station manager, our CEO, Kathy Kaler, made the call. People aren't coming into the studio, so we're all broadcasting via Skype uh, from our offices, from our homes, and this is called adaptive behavior. And I love that we're all adapting the way we should. I have Professor Bernardo Rappaport on the line. Um, He is the medical oncologist in charge at the Rosebank Medical Oncology Center. Um, Professor Rappaport, immuno-oncology, how is this different to chemotherapy, radiation? Please expand. What is it all about?
1: Okay. The traditional treatments for cancer, in addition to surgery, included uh, uh, targeted therapies, chemotherapy, radiation treatment, uh, and those treatments, they are designed to kill the cancer cell. The radiation therapy and the chemotherapy are basically designed to kill the cancer cell. Now, you introduce either radiation or chemicals that will interfere with the cell uh, metabolism and with the cell machinery and will kill the cancer cell. When we're talking about immunotherapy, uh, is a uh, immune treatments that manipulate the immune system, invigorate the immune system, the T cells, and they will attack the cancer and they will kill uh, the cancer by boosting um, our immune system. That's exactly how it works.
0: Hmm. So, so this is very interesting because it's telling us that our immune system, and I, I know that it's not for all cases and perhaps you'll expand on that, but what it's telling us is that our immune system is capable of fighting cancer. Is is
1: that is that what you're saying? 100%. When I started doing oncology, or when I was a medical student even, uh, around the world was a belief that the immune system and cancer have nothing to do because the cancer is a degeneration or a, of a cell that becomes malignant. Now it is very clear that the, the, those malignant cells, uh, what they do is that they evade the immune system by... Uh, Pushing up the some. Um, in other words, when you have a, like a, an immune response, let's say that you get infected with a, even corona, with a tuberculosis, or with like a sore throat, or one of those infections, the immune system gets activated and fights the, the, the infection, and then you have an attenuation of the immune response, because otherwise you can't have the immune response forever and ever. That's not how it works because it might damage the normal tissues also. Like happen with, if you have, for example, overactivation of the immune system, you get uh, what we call autoimmune diseases, that the immune system attacks your own body. Now, what happens with the cancer interferes with these mechanisms, and it upregulates, or in other words, it it, it exaggerates the inhibitory pathways and are constantly inhibited, and the cancer evades the immune system because it's like telling the immune system to be evaded, and it doesn't react. So with monoclonal antibodies, you and block that pathway, checkpoint inhibition is called, you block it, and the immune system starts working again. You get cells attacking the cancer. Now, as you said, 100% correctly, sorry, you want to mention something? No,
0: I'm I'm just saying it's incredible. It's an incredible way of looking at it. Please continue.
1: Basically, it doesn't work on all the cancers. There are some cancers that have that that exaggerated mechanism more than the other ones, and it was clearly shown that most of the patients with metastatic malignant melanoma or with Malignant melanoma is a very effective treatment, that, and also uh, on patients with non-small cell lung cancer or bladder cancer. Those are the most uh, tumors that, uh, that are reactive. There are other uh, also with breast cancer, what we call triple negative breast cancer, that was shown to be effective. And there are cancers with certain mutations like a, a microsatellite unstable independently of the type of cancer that you are dealing with. But one of the things that is very really clear is that it doesn't work for all the cancers and it doesn't work on all the cancers of that type, not all the melanoma patients will respond to this treatment, uh, or not all the lung cancer patients. But what is important is that if it works, as opposed to chemotherapy that works uh, for a while on patients with, a, 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 for example, lung cancer, those remissions or responses are quite durable. They last for a long time. So that, that is another important uh, message. To, to If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it's like other treatments. Uh, the, the problem that we're facing at the moment is not uh, if it works or not or the side effects of the treatment, which they are there also. There's no treatment that you can give without having a potential side effects. The problem with this is that it's very, very expensive at the moment. Like a shot of immunotherapy costs approximately eighty-five, ninety eh? thousand 90,000 that, that sure. uh, No, no, it's crazy. And you need also a long a, a period of treatment. You need at least one year of treatment every three weeks, so we're talking about a, a million rand plus. Eh? So that's very, very expensive. Eh? One point five million rands or something like that.
0: Sure, so Professor yes. Rapport, I'm going to use I'm going to use layman's terms here. Yes. So my so my understanding is that there's there's something in cancer that that prohibits. The immune system from fighting against it. You have these. You have something that turns that around and blocks it, and now the immune system can fight this cancer. Which, in my interpretation of that, is you are using the body's intelligence, the the, the way the body is made to fight this this cancer, this this, this disease that it has. Um, the, 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 you, that you it doesn't work it, on all cancers.
1: You can consider the. Immune system, especially the lymphocytes, has been like soldiers. So what you Mm -hmm. do is you reinvigorate the soldiers to attack the cancer. Yeah,
2: As opposed to introducing
1: foreign substances that uh, will kill the cancer, this one you use the own body to uh, fight the cancer again. In other words, the the lymphocytes are blocked from acting, uh, from the effects of the... It's very complicated, but it's the truth. The cancer has a effects on the immune system that blocks from working. And what happens in the end is that the, the cancer gets mm-hmm. a, again attacked by the lymphocytes because it gets reinvigorated.
0: So, Professor, highly, highly costly. It's cost prohibitive for most people. I'm not sure in terms of medical aids whether they cover it or not. Is it so costly because it's still in its infancy stage or is it maybe it's not if it's in its infancy stage? I I suppose what I'm trying to ask is, do you think that years down the line it'll be more widely spread and therefore more cost effective and maybe even more effective?
1: I think you're 100% right because when every, every new day, like with computers and with technology and with cell phones and with the medicines also, Those drugs, uh, when they they come in, they they we have to pay the price of innovation, and they are patented and all that. What happens after is that when the patents expire and everything, uh, those drugs are more producing a bigger quantity, and the prices go down, and it's competition between the different uh, uh, companies producing the same product. What what I what I think will happen here is that uh, basically. What will, what will happen is that there are also different immunotherapies that do the same job. So I've foreseen in four or five years or even less that there will be less of the, basically will be less expensive because it will be more competition for the same type of patient, yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, and Professor Rapoport, for, for our guests who are listening right now um, you've said that it only uh, works with certain cancers As someone who has been diagnosed you spoke about melanoma you spoke about a type of a breast cancer um, how, how do they approach um, their oncologist and ask whether um, immune oncology would work mm. with, the, with the cancer that they have
1: one, one thing that you could do theoretically is to say well Look, we're dealing with this, uh, you know, this cancer. That, that's it. Is it the place here for immunotherapy? Or sometimes what we have here in our uh, practice is that we have a division doing clinical trials, and then we can offer the patient the clinical trials, and it's and that's, it. that's how we gain experience with this, because uh, those trials are sponsored by the companies, and they don't pay anything. They don't pay for the, the x-rays. They don't pay for the bloods. Also, they don't pay for the treatments, you know. So while the patient is on the clinical trial, part of the trial, they don't pay for the treatment, you know. And the, a lot of the immune oncology trials, are, you know, the, the patients get access through that. Uh, we, we don't mm-hmm. need the studies on melanoma, on lung cancer, on bladder cancer, on esophageal cancer, on a number of things like that, you know.
0: Well, Professor, um, I, I'm so delighted that we had you on the show today I've learned so much from you um, I'm I'm certainly very encouraged hearing what you have to say about immune, immuno-oncology And uh, please God, it's something that becomes more widely spread More cost-effective, and more av- widely spread and, and available to more patients Thank you so much for your time this afternoon We We do appreciate it
1: Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on the show. Thank you very much.
0: Lovely having you on the show, Professor. Thank you so much. Um, that was Professor Bernardo Leon Rappaport, specialist physician and medical oncologist, medical oncologist in charge of the Rosebank Medical Oncology Center. Amazing, immuno-oncology. So it's not looking at radiation and chemo where you're looking at chemicals going in it's it's about manipulating this immune system so you're getting the body to fight can, so, can I so, mention, so, can I so expensive
1: one thing yes, for... yes, please you professor see, at, the, at the moment it's a 95% chemo and radiation and 5% immunotherapy, I think in 10 years time will be maybe 50% or more immunotherapy and less of the chemo and radiation treatment
0: well, I I do hope so, Professor. Thank you very much for that. Um, thanks for your time. We 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 really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a break. After the break, we're going to be talking about nutrition: what we're putting into our bodies and what we're going to get out of our bodies. The wonderful Nikki Robertson will be joining us. So stay where you are. Hi FM, your station of choice since two thousand and eight. And we're back. This is The dealing Show. connect you to insight, information, and illumination. Nikki Severini here. I am broadcasting from my office. And isn't technology wonderful? Thanks to um, Craig. Thanks to DJ Flo. Thanks to everybody at Hyben um, for making it possible to be able to broadcast this way. Of course, you're at home. We're at home, and we are behaving like responsible citizens. So it's time to move on to our next guest. I'm so excited to have Nikki Robertson of reinvent Health on the show. She's a clinical nutritionist, she's an MLP practitioner and founder of reinvent health. I saw her um uh, just under two weeks ago when I, I appeared in- I was on her podcast, and life was so different just a short while ago. We were talking about the Jerusalem Marathon, and everything seems to have shifted. So here we have Nikki on the show, and not live in the studio, but, but live on Skype. Nikki, welcome. Wonderful to have you on the show.
2: Lovely to hear your voice. Thank you so much.
0: So, Nikki, you know, before we... I mean, we've just been talking to Professor Rapoport. We were talking, and I'm very encouraged by this idea of immuno-oncology. And it's this idea that the body can actually fight cancer with without the inhibitors the body can fight the cancer and it speaks to how incredible our bodies are this immune system all these systems that come together that make us so vital and so healthy so what is going wrong in the world today Mickey how much
2: how much does our diet play um, in this kind of downward spiral well you know it's so exciting that science has got to point where it's acknowledging and realizing that uh, the body is so well equipped to heal itself if it's given the right tools and food is one of those fundamental things that literally make up the material of every single cell in the body whether it's a cell that um, is a cancer cell, whether it's a cell that's a healthy cell, uh, food regulates apoptosis which is the body's or the immune system's way of killing off cells that are cancerous and it really comes down to very much part and parcel but very much Um, to the foods we eat so what we've seen in the last say 20th century 21st century is a move away from natural foods from whole foods from cooking at home from using whole food ingredients and very much towards um using trans fats polyunsaturated fats lots of sugar sugar in all its forms especially processed fructose and that sends the wrong message to the cell um you know, nobody can argue the fact that underneath all disease is inflammation. We have to have some level of inflammatory activity going on for the body not to function properly. So food will either trigger inflammation and make you vulnerable. And this is any disease or it will protect or send the right messages to your immune system, bring down inflammation and help your body's innate wisdom to fight what is going on and keep you healthy and well.
0: So people who are listening now, Nikki, may be in the past, they haven't eaten very well, they haven't been healthy, it hasn't been the whole food, and it's been years and years and years and years of eating that and they think, oh, I've been eating like this, I've done so much damage, what's the point? What I'm getting at is, is, it, is there ever an idea that it's too late to start being healthy?
2: Is it too late to turn the clock back? No, you are never too old and you are never too ill to change your destiny. And that has been proven throughout history time and time again. While you are breathing and while you still have cell turnover, you can change the destiny of those cells. And that is really important. It is that is, that kind of thinking is very much driven by behaviors and comfort eating and a need to feel a certain way. That's driven by emotion. It's driven by fear. Uh, but just know that if your health is important enough to you, to you, the decision you make from this moment forward is going to change your health destiny. It is totally and utterly within your hands and within your control.
0: So people, you know, everyone's, you know, as I, as I mentioned, the world is it feels like the world has been turned upside down and people are navigating, um, this new world. Um, what are we eating? Um, families are now at home. Um, obviously we're going to look at building immune systems, but that's getting specific around that. What I'm, what I'm really mm-hmm. talking about is reevaluating our lives, the way we live our lives, the way we interact with one another. And perhaps people who are listening today can see this as a moment to also re. Would we
2: putting into our mouths? Um, let this be a really mindful process. You know what we're going through now has thrown us all into the deep end. And if any good is going to come from this, it's forcing us to reevaluate and relook at how we treat ourselves, what we do with our families, um, how we treat other people, what we are literally putting in our mouths. Because health has become the theme of the day. Worldwide, And, you know, it's yeah. never been this way before. Nobody's ever really uh, put health at the forefront and accepted that we are fighting a war against something that we can't see, but we do have a level of or a modus of control um, based on our behavior. And if any good is going to come from this experience, which is, it's like you said, we, two weeks ago we were talking about running a marathon and the world has suddenly changed and the carpet's been pulled out from underneath all of us. We've been forced into behaving different so it's a great Social experiment where, and it's a great, um, familial experiment where we can start making decisive changes, uh, for the, for the betterment of humanity. And yeah, food is a pivotal, a pivotal thing. You know, food is social. It is part of what families do or used to do. And this is a, a great opportunity to start to go back in there and go, what do I need to keep myself and my family healthy? Aside from washing our hands and good hygiene, what's going to send the right messages to my immune system to protect me and everybody? I care about, and it really does start with food. If you're going to go and feed your kids packets of biscuits because you're really busy and you can't go and make them dinner or lunch, they're going to get sick, and you know, we all know this, but, you know, one biscuit does matter, and I think we've also got that mentality that, well, what difference will one make, and it makes a big difference because it doesn't take... A lot to create an inflammatory cascade with it uh, with the with, the, with the, if you've got cancer or if you have a vulnerable immune system, it doesn't take a lot. We've really got to undo the damage by making better choices and the opportunity is right here.
0: So a lot of people use the Eats and now people are getting the online shopping and sent to the house and the caterers who are sending. See, but for the average Joe who's listening right now. Uh, they've gone to the shop, they filled their fridges, and you know, it's not just going getting a takeaway or quickly getting this. We're all now sitting down as a family for breakfast, for lunch,
2: and for supper because everyone's at home. What suggestions do you have, Vicky? Okay, so you want to stay away from anything that comes ready-made in a box. So when you go buy a ready meal, for example, you're going to look at the ingredients and they're going to be items in those ingredients you're not going to recognize as food because they're not food. These are chemicals mm-hmm. that have been put into these concoctions to make them have shelf life. Anybody who manufactures foods for a, for a supermarket chain will know that they have to have shelf stability, which means they last a long time and these are the things that unfortunately disrupt cellular communication and they can and many people cause inflammation it's not to say don't ever eat these foods it's saying make them a treat make them you know an occasional something that you have as a family nothing wrong with going and getting a takeaway pizza on the weekend and doing that as a family but if that's how you're living for the most part you're going to get sick so what we look at is everyone knows. The the term has almost become a cliche, whole foods, but that means ingredients, not ready-made foods. Best foods for your immune system is your fish, and that includes sort of um, your sardines, mackerel, hake, salmon. All of your oily fish are really, really good for your immune system because they're high in omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory. Your organ meats, such as liver, so chicken livers, are fabulous anti inflammatory foods are full of nutrients, your fat soluble vitamins as well. And make sure that they're organic or free range at least, because the organ meats are the filtration of the, the body and you want to make sure that there's no chemicals in there. Uh, your fresh vegetables, even frozen vegetables. So if you're finding it difficult to get fresh veg or you're concerned about supply or whatever your concerns are, there's nothing wrong with frozen vegetables. To you know put that into um mince and make that into a cottage pie with Sweet potato topping is a fabulously healthy uh, meal for for a family, and it's very easy and very inexpensive to make. Your herbs and spices are anti-inflammatory, really good health benefits. So if you start experimenting and just thinking a little bit about buying ingredients not buying end product foods, you're going to feel better, you're going to be more resilient, you're going to digest better. There's a, a host of benefits, and you're going to feel like a bit of a hero because if we're stuck at home having to mm-hmm. fulfill these domestic roles and you get it right and your kids partake in their help with preparation and planning and the eating, you're going to feel like you've achieved something. So we can really turn mm-hmm. this into a positive experience from that point of view.
0: Yeah, we absolutely, absolutely can. Um, we're going to be stopping for a break in a moment, Nikki, just very, very quickly. You mentioned sardines. Um, we're talking about whole foods not in a box. What about from a can, sardines, pulchards from the can? What are your thoughts on
2: that? So I personally have no problem with anything that's tinned. Most companies that uh, provide tinned foods have taken the BPA or the plastic lining and out of their, their, their tinned food items. There are companies that still do that, but in, for example, in South Africa, to find fresh fish, if it's not frozen fish, is very expensive. You're still going to get incredible nutritional benefit out of having tinned fish um, two or three times a week, and it's inexpensive as well. So there's nothing wrong with incorporating that into your meal plan for a week that includes other fresh foods as well.
0: Okay, and tuna. People talk about a high. Is it the lead content or whatever? Your thoughts mercury. on tuna? And uh, so, mercury yes. Yes.
2: Yeah, so you've you've got um what you find's find pole caught tuna, which is tuna literally caught with a fishing fishing line, um, which is a smaller fish. So the bigger the animal the more accumulative mercury you'll find accumulating in that animal. So your small fish, your sardines and herring, mackerel, have got much smaller parts uh, of of, uh, pollution. So everything is polluted nowadays. Everything that you find in the ocean has got some kind of accumulative pollution. It's almost impossible not to find that, which is horrific. But the smaller the fish, the less likely you're going to tip the scales in terms of toxic levels of mercury. Uh, Pole-court tuna is a smaller animal animal than say um, a, a net caught tuna which is large so anything that is it, your salmon your wild caught salmon is also pretty much free of of uh, heavy metals but nothing's guaranteed nowadays so your oceans are incredibly polluted thanks nikki a quick break we'll be right back
0: Hi fm your station of choice since 2008 Thank you for staying with us. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you to insights, information and illumination. I have Nikki Robertson on the line. Nikki is a clinical nutritionist she's an NLP practitioner and founder of reInvent Health we're talking about health, we're talking about wellness, we're talking about using food so that our bodies can heal themselves and just living a life of vitality and energy, a good life Um, Nikki, we were talking about whole foods, you were talking about um, the different types of fishes frozen veggies are an option and also herbs and spices Um, so those are some lovely tips and I really, really Really appreciate those. Let's I'd like to talk about gut health. You know, everyone's talking about gut health. People are talking about compromised immune systems and that there is a link between the immune system and the gut. Perhaps you can
2: just explain and we can look at how to improve the gut health. Yes, you know, the gut is our first line of defense to the outside world. Um you know, it's, it's a tube that goes from north to south and it literally takes in our food from the outside world into the body, distributes it into our cells. So if there is a compromise session in part of the digestive system from your, from your, food, uh, your exposure to carcinogens, to heavy metals, to pesticides is going to go straight through into the system and make uh, detoxification that much more difficult. So our choice of foods, you know, I've, ne- I've very seldom come across anybody nowadays who doesn't have some kind of gut dysbiosis. So whether they are bloated or they have tummy issues or they have indigestion, heartburn, there's almost always somebody who's got some kind of gut problem, whether it's Crohn's disease, you name it, and this is very much linked to our choices of food, whether or not our our systems can break down, so if there's enough Acidity in the stomach to break down and get rid of bacteria. And very often, most of us don't have enough acid in the stomach. We're busy uh, swallowing uh, all sorts of PPI proton pump inhibitors. So things that like remove um, acidity at the, min- the minute we get heartburn thinking that that's the problem. And what it's doing in many, many cases is lowering our stomach acid to the point where we cannot even break down what we're eating. We even see very low iron levels in many people who can't break down and assimilate the foods they're eating. So getting your gut health right is tricky because it's different for everybody. Not all probiotics work and not for everybody. There are Thousands of probiotics available. A lot of them are innate, so they in, uh, inert, they don't work. And what may work for one person doesn't work for the next person or can cause a problem for the next person. So gut health is super personalized. And to just say, well, this is a fabulous, you know, a kimchi or you know, fermented whatever – may cause more of a problem for some people than it does heal in other people. So finding exactly what's wrong with your gut, uh, whether it is the beginning, the, 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 the digestive process, or what's going on with the bacterial balance later on is key to getting this right. And almost always when we take out inflammatory foods... And that is not just um, gluten, for example. Everyone takes out gluten. And for a lot of people, this is not an issue. Um, Other people just remove dairy. And for some people, that's not an issue either. It's finding out what is your trigger. And very often, there's a stress connection. So when you're stressed and anxious, the gut is the first thing to throw it all up, literally, and go haywire. And we feel terrible because it starves you of energy, it starves your of brain of, of nutrition. So it is a very personalized subject.
0: How does one get to the bottom of one's gut health? I mean, is it a, are you looking at a string of tests? Is it very costly? What's involved?
2: Yeah, you can go that route. I don't believe you can really treat anything without testing. However, what I do is, uh, we do an experiment. We do an elimination diet, which means you take out all the typical triggers. I do an extensive questionnaire with all my clients to begin with to figure out what their stress levels are, uh, what they're eating, what their eating times and habits are around eating. And very often we can pinpoint t- the typical, the sort of the, the typical suspects there. And very often it's a case of just removing the obvious and resetting the system. If that doesn't work and we've given it a good bash and put the foods in that typically heal and support the gut, then I think it is really important to go and test and see what's going on. So we can test for specific microbes, for specific uh, fungies, bacterial overgrowth, and then you can get a, quite a particular prescription to say we've got to starve this situation because there may be a fungal overgrowth and we've got to feed this part of the situation because you're needing to um, enhance the, the acid levels in the gut. But for, you know, just getting back to the basics and eliminating the typical problems ha- helps a lot of people and what it also does is makes them mindful so we start realizing what are my triggers what what does and doesn't work for me um very often cravings especially cravings for sugar are linked to gut imbalance because there are microbes in the gut that need sugar they need glucose in order to live so it's the tail wagging the dog and when these bacteria die off they create Enormous cravings for sugar because they're dying and they know that if they send a craving to the brain, they will live. So these are very intelligent microbes in the, in the, in the, in the gut that are saying, feed me and feed me rubbish so that I can flourish. And we're just going along and doing that because we feel so bad and a little bit of sugar, we get a reward from these, from these bacteria. Mm. So we think Mm. it's down to self control and very often it's got nothing to do with self control. It's got so much to do with the chemistry in our brains and the chemistry in our guts that is, that's driving our cravings. It's not actually your fault. And when you realize Mm. that you start feeding your body what it needs, the rewards are incredible because you just, you just go, I I don't have this craving anymore. I can't believe it. I've gone a day without chocolate because I never even thought about it. Why is that? Because we're changing the communication between the guts and the brain. It is so powerful and so rewarding because it puts you back in control of your health. And it's simple. And it's it's just there's no medication involved. Very often, there, I work with a lot of doctors, so... I really believe that we get the best results when practitioners work as a team. And I have a lot of fabulous docs that I can work with and we can communicate with around a a particular patient, and that's where we see fabulous results. So often you need a combination of of medication and supplementation in the short term. You know, Mm -hmm. these things should never be long term. When you go on something like a a proton pump inhibitor, which is something that reduces the amount of acid that's coming up in bile, that's coming up into your throat these things shouldn't be used long term because they cause more problems you know we need to fix the underlying reason Uh, there's a place for medicine but it's not something you should be living on if at Mm. all possible
0: Mm. Mm. I think that's such an important message a really really important message Um, Nikki we're going to take a break after the break let's look at food in terms of cancer and what we should be avoiding what we should be eating let's do that after the break 101.9 FM, 101.9 MHz of life. Good afternoon and welcome back. I have Nikki Robertson on the line, clinical nutritionist, NLP practitioner and founder of ReInvent Health. And Nikki says, You are what you eat. Such a fascinating conversation about our current situation, being at home, re-looking at the way we're eating, um, using mealtime as a time to um, have wonderful conversations and preparation of meals as, as a family, going back to whole foods. Nikki's been talking about gut health and uh, how when you look at your gut health, you can turn cravings around the message between the brain and the stomach. And, um, of course, now moving towards the right and wrong food for cancer, which is very, very important, Nikki. And we get so many different messages. What would you say in terms of the right to wrong food when it comes to cancer?
2: You know, that is so confusing for so many people. So my best advice is, firstly, don't buy into fads. Uh, When you see um, a study, for instance, studies are are ridiculous. Anyone can quote a study. They don't even know how many people were part of a study before calling it a study. So, example, uh, we've all heard of people who've been on a ketogenic diet, who've reversed cancer or who go running 10 kilometers a day after getting chemotherapy. These people are wild cards. this doesn 't happen to everybody. it doesn 't mean firstly that this way of eating is right for you. It may very well be right for you, but you don 't know and if you are a cancer patient, if you are under treatment with an oncologist you 've got to be very very mindful and very very careful of what you 're doing, but you don 't know if what you 're eating and what supplements you are taking are contrary indicating the medications you're on so you 've got to go into this very mindfully and always keep your doctor in the loop that 's the first rule. The next thing is don't go doing a juice cleanse. Juices, especially fruit juices, are fructose, which the liver turns into glucose, which cancer cells love to eat up. Again, we've all heard of people who've gone vegan or on a juice fast or on a water fast, And honestly, you don't know the truth. You're seeing a glamorized version of the outcome. And very often people um, advertising these kinds of things have got money to be made out of either selling a book or selling a product or selling a documentary. Don't take anything you see online as the way to go without really investigating it first. First hand, because it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. You know, um, one of the things that absolutely peeve me is people want to go and do a juice cleanse when they want to detox. And the liver needs amino acids to facilitate detoxification process. Almost all toxins are housed in fat cells, and that is the body's way of protecting us from f- things going. Like haywire in the body and just going through the liver, through the kidneys and causing havoc. So to break down that fat cell safely and turn it into a water, water soluble particle that the liver can safely eliminate, we need an antioxidant, not an antioxidant, we need an amino acid to attach to that cell to make it water soluble so it can be eliminated through this, the pathways in the, in the liver. And you can only get amino acids from protein. Now, to go and do a juice cleanse or a water fast, you're eliminating the one thing that facilitates a safe detoxification process. So it is incredibly dangerous to go out on a limb because we're scared, because we're hopeful, because we've heard somebody else got it right. We don't know that. We don't know what else was going on, and very seldom do you get the full picture.
0: Hmm. So be cautious when it comes to that. I mean, you hear lots of great stories. Would you saying be really be cautious and go to a professional who can
2: guide you absolutely and somebody you can communicate with your doctor and you can again do this as a team and you don't want to go take things that are going to make cause a problem with your chemotherapy chemotherapy mm-hmm. drugs are immune suppressants very often not always but very often and then you go and grab things that enhance your your immune system to a point where it starts fighting with your chemotherapy that's counterintuitive you know right. we've got to really it's it's good to go whole food it's good to go as natural as possible but you've also got to understand the implications of how these things cross interrelate then we've got our genetics and our, our clearance pathways which are very specific to individuals we've got clearance pathways for medication we've got clearance pathways for supplementation supplements are can be very dangerous in the wrong dose in the wrong hands mm-hmm. so be very mindful because you can do yourself a great disservice by not knowing what you're doing. Thanks for that, Nikki. Listen, we've got a minute. For those who are listening right now, we want to boost our immune system. Have you got any tips? Yes. My favorite supplement for immune uh, support is zinc. Um, I don't recommend products yeah, haphazardly. I'll only recommend them if I've test-driven them myself. And for me, uh, high, uh, good quality zinc-selenium-vitamin A combination personally has – I've never seen such incredible results. So that is just a natural – the natural supplements that help your immune system not over stimulate or overcompensate, but just naturally deal with anything excessive. The other thing is sleep. So you can be taking all the, the most sophisticated immune boosters in the world. Unless you're getting enough rest, you can forget about it. Your immune system is going to be compromised.
0: And, Nikki, your amazing podcast, if people want to listen to you, want to listen to
2: you, interviewing incredible people, tell us about that and how people can reach you. All right. So best way to, to reach me personally or to log into the podcast is via my website. That is reinnoventhealth.ca.ca, and all the information is right there. Wonderful. So that's ReInvent Health. That's Nikki Robertson, clinical
0: nutritionist, NLP practitioner and founder of ReInvent Health. Nikki, it has been such a pleasure. I've learned so much once again from you. Thank, Thank for joining you so much. Back. Thank you. It's always a joy, Nikki. Um, so there we have it, guys. We've given you so much information. Um, I hope that you took notes. And listen, if you didn't manage to catch everything, remember that every show is podcast. So from tomorrow. If you go to the Chai FM website and you go to podcasts, just click along to Thursday, go along to DL Link Life Links, and the latest updated podcast will be there, and you can get all the information speaking to Professor Rappaport and speaking to Nikki Robinson. Um Once again, technical guys, Craig, DJ Flow, thank you so much for making it possible. Thank you for tuning in. Take care. Look after yourself. Stay at home, stay away from others, and enjoy this time. From me, Nikki Severini, until next Mm. week, take care.